I guess we all have troubles and problems in our lives. Some uh, are great and weigh on us heavily. Some are smaller, trivial things. Um, but nevertheless, even the small things sometimes cause us some anxiety or some frustration or some annoyance. Well, when we come uh, to this book of Revelation, we're forced to think about the Apostle John and his problems. He lived at a time when the church was facing um, a period of really severe persecution. Now, depending on when you think the book of Revelation was written or what scholar you follow, um, some say that they think the book of Revelation was written uh, around 95 AD. And that was the time of John's exile on Patmos. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't go along with that. I think the book was written much earlier, um, around somewhere between 66 and 68 AD. And my main reason for saying that is that further on in the book, um, reference is made uh, to the city that sits on seven hills where our Lord was crucified. This is the harlot city, the unfaithful city, the city that is persecuting God's saints. It's not Rome, it's Jerusalem. So Jerusalem clearly was still standing when John wrote his revelation, the book of Revelation. And we know that Jerusalem itself was destroyed and flattened by the Romans in 70 AD. So because he makes mention the very fact that Jerusalem is still there, the city where our Lord was crucified, and it's a persecuting, faithless city, um, I go with an earlier date. So I think that John was on Patmos uh, in, in, the, um, in the 60s, 80s, 60s, 66, 67, 68, something like that. So the persecution, this period of persecution, was under the Emperor Nero. And Nero was the Roman Emperor from 54 AD till uh, 68 AD when he committed suicide. So we know um, a general history of this period. I mean, even you boys will have some idea about the Roman Empire, I hope, and what was going on at this time. This was the time when they were throwing li uh, Christians to the lions. I say, nearly said the lions to the Christians, but uh, throwing the Christians to the lions in the arenas. This was the time where Christians were being arrested uh, and, and crucified. Uh, some were just uh, set on fire uh, just to provide, uh, instead of streetlights, um, it was just a horrendous time. How do you comfort people in the face of such persecution? What can you say as an apostle, as a pastor, as someone who cares deeply for the church and for the people of God? What can you possibly say when all that is going on? Well, John... Uh, very clearly here, and the Holy Spirit guiding him and, and inspiring him, focuses our attention very clearly on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told in verse 1 that the revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, 
in the sense that the revelation has come from Jesus Christ. But actually, it's also about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, throughout the book, and particularly uh, in these opening chapters, is the main speaker. And as we move through the book, Jesus Christ is the main focus of the prayers and praises of the saints and of the elders and of the angels. And when you read through the book and you get lost with flying scrolls and bowls of uh, fire and blood and goodness knows what, fire and smoke and dragons, it's all going on there. The theme is still the same. The focus, the main focus is still the same. It's Jesus Christ. And here in these opening uh, verses, John starts to paint for us a portrait of Jesus Christ. There are things about Jesus Christ that he wants us to know. And if we pick it up uh, there uh, in uh, verse 5, uh, he, he's giving a greeting. The greeting is from God the Father, uh, God who is and who was and who is to come, God the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits that are before the throne, and Jesus Christ. And he says three things there about Jesus Christ. Now, we haven't got time to say three things about Jesus Christ tonight because uh, if I did, I know I'd be preaching for about an hour. Um, but he says there about Jesus Christ that he is the faithful witness. That's the first thing. The second thing is that he is the firstborn of the dead. And the uh, third thing uh, in that verse is that he is the ruler of the kings on earth. And it's just that last point I want to focus on tonight. Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings of the earth. I hope you find that thought a comforting thought tonight. Whatever is happening in the world, however evil it seems, however out of control it seems, whatever the events are, Jesus Christ is in control. More than that, he has allowed them, he has ordained them. When the emperor, or perhaps his governor in Asia, exiled John and sent him off to Patmos, he did it uh, because John was uh, belonging to this new sect called Christians, and they were just not mixing in in the same way that other people mixed in with the idolatry of uh, the Roman Empire. So off John goes into exile on the Isle of Patmos. Nero thought that he knew why he had sent John to Patmos. But the truth is that Jesus Christ had sent John to Patmos and sent him to Patmos for this very reason, to receive this book that we are reading. It doesn't matter who uh, the kings of the earth are, whether they're ancient or modern, whether it's our own King Charles 
or the Prime Minister in uh, London, or the First Minister in Cardiff, or the leader of our local councils. They are all under uh, the uh, governorship of uh, Jesus Christ. And they can do nothing uh, without his leave. We live in troubled times, and... I don't know how much you worry about world events, but there are wars going on. We know there are wars. You've only got to switch the telly on for five minutes, and, and there it all is, the horrors of Gaza or the horrors of the front line of, of the war in the Ukraine. Or maybe it's the economy you uh, worry about or the national debt or the NHS falling to pieces or the law and order. And we can go on and on and on. And then there's our own personal level of, of worries and troubles uh, with our own families and relatives uh, and anxieties about our health. All sorts of things fill our hearts with uh, foreboding. Um, but this verse should be a comfort. Nothing is out of control. Everything is within the hands of of Jesus Christ. Nero uh, couldn't send John to Patmos without accomplishing the will of Jesus Christ. President Putin, the leaders of Hamas, our own government, they cannot do anything apart from the will of Jesus Christ. We can say tonight, it's okay. It's okay. I know things seem crazy. I know things seem out of control. But as that old chorus says, God is on the throne and he will remember his own. I find that tremendously reassuring and comforting. Earlier uh, this year, there was um, a real striking uh, visual display uh, of this truth symbolically portrayed to us i'm talking about the coronation of the king and i don't know how many of you sat down to watch the coronation of the king but at the coronation service one of the things that the king gets handed by the archbishop is the golden orb it's a golden ball basically surmounted by a jeweled cross given to the king as a symbol of his authority as a king. But it symbolizes something. That golden orb or ball represents the world. And the cross on top of that ball represents the rule of Jesus Christ over the world. And so when King Charles takes that in his hand, he's recognizing that he is a king under the authority of Jesus Christ. He lives in a world as a king, but under the governorship of Jesus Christ. Because the world is ruled by Jesus Christ. As our verse here says in verse 5, Jesus Christ, the ruler of the kings on earth earth. Persecution 
occurs when governments exceed their powers, when they want to control the church. And if they can't control the church, they aim to destroy the church. That's what, what is happening uh, in John's day. Couldn't control it, so they were trying to destroy it, just kill the Christians. It's what's happened in our own country in, in, in centuries gone past. The monarchs from previous centuries, people like Elizabeth I uh, in England and uh, King James I who became, uh, who was King James VI in Scotland, became King James I in England after Elizabeth. They wanted to control the church. It wasn't enough that they had a kingdom to rule over. They wanted to rule in the church as well. Queen Elizabeth had the title the supreme governor of the church. I don't think there's much more of a blasphemous title than that, um, putting yourself up against Jesus Christ, um, because he is the only governor and king uh, of the church. Anyway, in Scotland, King James wanted to do exactly uh, what uh, his cousin Elizabeth was doing uh, in England. And he noticed how in England the queen could control the church very, very easily uh, because she appointed the bishops in the church and the bishops answered to her and the bishops controlled the church and told the other ministers what to do and what not to do and they had the power to fire and to appoint and so on. So it was very easy uh, for Queen Elizabeth to control the church. James inherited a Presbyterian church, a church that runs very similar to our churches here, where you have elders and deacons um, meeting and, and, and a minister over, over a local congregation. And that's where it all finished, really, apart from ministers would meet once a year for a general assembly in Scotland. And James realized that the only way he was going to control the Scottish church was to appoint bishops, just like uh, they had in England. And then he would appoint the bishops, the bishops would appoint the ministers, and everything would control and come back to him, and he would pull all the strings and be in control. It led to a time of severe persecution in the end. People didn't take it lying down. There was one character called Andrew Meldell. He was a successor to uh, John Knox. You might have heard about John Knox, but maybe less so about Andrew Meldell. But he was a really, really brave man. One day, he found himself in the company of the king and able to have a quiet word in the king's ear. So this wasn't public but it was published afterwards. And he said this to the king. This is not a time to flatter, but to speak plainly. For our commission, he's a minister, our commission is from the living God, to whom the king is subject. We will always humbly reverence your majesty in public, but having opportunity of being with your majesty in private, we must discharge our duty or else be enemies to Christ. And now, sire, I must tell you, there are two kingdoms, 
the kingdom of Scotland, of which you are the head, and the kingdom of Christ, which is the church, whose subject King James VI is, and whose kingdom he is not a head, nor a lord, but a member. And they whom Christ has called and commanded to watch over his church and govern his spiritual kingdom have sufficient power and authority from him so to do, which no Christian king nor prince should control or discharge, but assist and support. Otherwise, they are not faithful subjects to Christ. Now, why am I talking about all this? This is obviously uh, quite uh, old history, 400 years ago. Uh, why, why bring this up now? Because we're in a situation where we're having to fight the same fight as those people did back then. The world wishes to control the church so that they can make the church weak and ineffective. And if they cannot control it, they will try to destroy it. And we see that happening all around the, the, the world. Think particularly of a country like uh, China, where there's a state-controlled church that the communists control, generally, as a Christian church, is weak and ineffective. But the underground church, where you have true evangelical people witnessing and, and preaching the gospel, they are the ones that the communists are trying to root out and destroy. We ourselves in our own country face a very hostile pagan society, just like the first century. Everything is tolerated these days except the truth. Everything is allowed except preaching the gospel. Everything is permitted except living up to the biblical standards of morality that we find in scriptures. Governments all over the world are exceeding their authority and trampling on the church. So it's good as we come to pray tonight to remind ourselves that the universe doesn't revolve around the President Putins, the President Xi's, the President Biden's, Prime Minister Sunak's of this world. It revolves around the eternal throne of God and the Lord Jesus Christ who sits on the throne in heaven with all power and authority. We can come to him uh, with confidence because he is the ruler of the kings of the earth to bring our prayers and our petitions. It's no good when you're coming uh, to request things. You go to somebody who doesn't have the resources, doesn't have the power, doesn't have the authority. Um, when some years ago I sat on a, on a parish uh, council um, and 
you spoke to an AM about a particular problem because you thought, well, surely, you know, they're in the, they're in the Senate, surely they've got the power to do something. And they said, oh, sorry, no, it's out of our remit, no. And then you go and speak to, to, to the MP. Oh, it's nothing to do with us. Oh, it's all in Europe. It's, it's Brussels. They haven't got the power. We're going to the wrong people. We could never get an answer to our problem because nobody would take responsibility and nobody had the power. But when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got all the resources and he's got all the power. And more than that, he's got the time to listen to us too. You know, when you do want to uh, find uh, somebody important to explain some problem to, often they haven't got the time to listen to you. Um, you know, you can't just stroll up to Buckingham Palace uh, and, and, and say, oh, I just want to have a little chat with the king. It just doesn't happen. You can't do it. But when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he has all the time in the world for us. And it's just amazing that we come to such a character who has this power, has all these resources, and he has the time uh, to listen to us. Our testimony is very clear to this unbelieving world. Jesus Christ is king. He's head of his church. And woe to those who mess around with his church. They touch the apple of his eye and as this book of Revelation makes very clear, they will face the wrath of the Lamb. Jesus deals with persecutors in his time. A few, like Paul, miraculously get saved. Mostly, persecutors come to a sticky end. We mentioned the Emperor Nero who was persecuting the church at this time. People turn against him, he runs away, he commits suicide. King James, we mentioned King James because he wanted to put bishops in the Church of Scotland so he could control the church. He went mad. Other people are persecuted down the church down through the ages. Some of the communists uh, that, that were around when I was a child, they ended up getting shot. And in this book, uh, we find that the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire because Jesus is king and he rules and he has the last say about what hap what's happens and... Uh, so... That's really all I've got to say. As we come to Jesus Christ in prayer tonight, let's just remember who he is, as John wants us to remember who he is. And one of those things is that he is the king, the ruler of the kings on earth.